We may have stepped into a great debate already this morning about the season of fall. I'm Adam Wright. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven on this Friday morning, November 4th. Gabe Jones is here with me in studio. We've got, uh, we're not sure if we're going to call it a Roadmap Roundup today because there's just two of us. It's yeah, not it's really not very round. It's like a Roadmap Lineup. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Something like that. Yeah. But we do know this. It's first Friday. And uh, more important than any banter is the prayer we're going to do today. So we've got a lot of prayers for the month of November. We'll start with our morning offering as usual. We'll pray our first Friday prayer, and then we will also pray for the souls of the faithful departed. Enough talking about prayer. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father. Amen. Most sweet Jesus, whose overflowing charity for men is requited by so much forgetfulness, negligence, and contempt, behold us prostrate before you, eager to repair by a special act of homage the cruel indifference and injuries to which your loving heart is everywhere subject. Mindful, alas, that we ourselves have had a share in such great indignities, which we now deplore from the depths of our hearts. We humbly ask your pardon and declare our readiness to atone by voluntary expiation, not only for our own personal offenses, but also for the sins of those who, straying far from the path of salvation, refuse in their obstinate infidelity to follow you, their shepherd and leader, or, renouncing the promises of their baptism, have cast off the sweet yoke of your law. We are now resolved to expiate each and every deplorable outrage committed against you. We are now determined to make amends for the manifold offenses against Christian modesty and unbecoming dress and behavior, for all the foul seductions laid to ensnare the feet of the innocent, for the frequent violations of Sundays and holy days, and the shocking blasphemies uttered against you and your saints. We wish also to make amends for the insults to which your vicar on earth and your priests are subjected, for the profanation by conscious neglect or terrible acts of sacrilege of the very sacrament of your divine love, and lastly for the public crimes of nations who resist the rights and teaching authority of the church which you have founded. Would that we were able to wash away such abominations with our blood. We now offer in reparation for these violations of your divine honor, the satisfaction you once made to your eternal Father on the cross, and which you continue to renew daily on our altars. We offer it in union with the acts of atonement of your Virgin Mother, and all the saints and of the pious faithful on earth. And we sincerely promise to make recompense as far as we can, with the help of your grace, for all neglect of your great love, and for the sins we and others have committed in the past. Henceforth, we will live a life of unswerving faith, of purity of conduct, of perfect observance of the precepts of the gospel, and especially that of charity. We promise to the best of our power to prevent others from offending you and to bring as many as possible to follow you. O loving Jesus, through the intercession of the Blessed Virgin Mother, our model and reparation, deign to receive the voluntary offering we make of this act of expiation, and by the crowning gift of perseverance, keep us faithful unto death and our duty and the allegiance we owe to you, so that we may all one day come to that happy home where with the Father and the Holy Spirit you live and reign, God forever and ever. Amen. Eternal rest grant unto them, O Lord. And let perpetual light shine upon them. Through the mercy of God, may their souls and the souls of all the faithful departed rest in peace. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son 
and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It is good to pray with you. You know, we uh, all week long I've been saying we're focusing on all souls. We're focusing on all saints. We're focusing on National Vocations Week, which is coming up next week. And it was, I think, midday Tuesday or early morning Wednesday. I said, oh, my goodness, it's first Friday and first Saturday, too. We don't want to forget that. So it's good that we've got our prayers taken care of. You still have time to get to 8 o'clock Mass today if there's one near you. And uh, go to Mass, receive Holy Communion. As much as I would love for you to keep listening to Roadmap to Heaven all the way through the end of the show, going to Mass is definitely more important and more laudable, and I will happily take a back seat to our Lord. So uh, keep this first Friday devotion. You've already prayed in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart. All that's left for you to do is go to Mass and receive Holy Communion in a state of grace, which might mean you need to plan it out so you can also go to confession, which is doable today, but it might take a little work on your part. In addition to all of that, something else I almost forgot, but wow, I'd rejoice Sunday morning. We fall back this weekend. Yeah. I don't, or is daylight savings time ending or beginning? Daylight savings time ends. Ends. And we go to standard time. Okay. Yeah. So if you are sending emails to somebody and you say, hey, uh, let's meet at you know 10 a.m. Central, Central time. you got to be more C- specific. CDT, right? Now it's going to be after after Saturday night, it's going to be CST, standard okay. time. I think I need a I, th- I need I need a flow chart here to keep up. <laughs> All I know is I'm going to get uh, a little bit more sleep without feeling as guilty about it as I normally do sleeping in on a weekend morning. Um, and eight o'clock mass will not be as arduous in getting the kids up and saying, come on, we got to get to mass this one, morning for one Sunday at least. Yeah. Right. For one. Yeah. The, uh, the other great debate this morning is about the season of fall. I was telling Gabe Jones before we went on the air here, I am tired of it being either hot or cold, but not really in between where are the 50 degree fall days. Uh, I don't know, but we do know that Mike Roberts has the weather, and rather than us muse about what the weather could be, let's go to him now for a check of today's weather. Today is the Memorial of St. Charles Borromeo. Born in Italy in 1538, he came from a family of devout and wealthy nobles. The family coat of arms featured the Holy Trinity. When Charles was 12, he received tonsure, a sign of his own devotion, and entered the Benedictine Abbey, which had been a family custom for many years. In 1559, his uncle was elected pope and took the name Pius IV. Charles, a brilliant student, was given several functions by his uncle and after excelling in all of them, was made papal secretary of state. But his decision to become a priest didn't occur until after the death of his older brother. With a renewed and even deeper devotion to the Lord, Charles was ordained at the age of 25. During the Council of Trent, Charles worked tirelessly, helping to resolve numerous disputes. When the council had been suspended for 10 years, it was Charles who convinced the Pope to reconvene. He also was significantly involved in helping the church grow stronger in its battle against the Protestant Reformation. In 1560, he was assigned to the Archdiocese of Milan, where he became the Archbishop a few years later. After a time, the church was under significant attack, and faith, even among the religious, had grown cold. It was Charles who set an example of generosity and humility, giving most of his income to charity, refusing any form of luxury, and working tirelessly with his bishops and priests to establish reforms, always with the idea that the people of his archdiocese must see their leaders as faith-filled, prayerful, and humble. 
when Milan was struck by plague and famine and the civil authorities of the city had all fled, Charles stayed and used all of his means to try and feed each day the 60,000 plus people in his community while at the same time ministering to the sick and dying. Overcome and exhausted, he died on this day in 1584 at the age of just 46. St. Charles Borromeo, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. Saint of the Day can arrive each morning by subscribing on your favorite podcast player. Search Covenant Network to see all our podcasts. One of the things I can't help but think is how often, and I am guilty of this, I I don't stand here to accuse anyone other than myself, do I say, yeah, I love my neighbor, except for that guy. You know, (laughs) the way way you, your personal philosophies or the way you express yourself or the way you live life, I really, you really grind my gears. I cannot stand you. I do not like being around you. And that first line, um, if you're, if one says he loves God, but does not love his neighbor, he's a liar. And I'm like, Oh, great. I'm a liar sometimes. Yeah. And it's, I mean, that, that really challenged me, Gabe. It should. That's the whole idea, right? Uh, I think, too, it, it may not even be a, a constant, hey, that person, but, you know, in this instance, right? I, yeah. Well, this person did something I, I don't like, and I'm, 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 I don't love them right now, you know? Um, it's it's a constant battle, right? You know, it's never – I don't know that we – and like he says in the homily, right? you can be good, right? But is it naturally good or supernaturally good? Right. And so that supernatural goodness is love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. That's, that's a whole extra challenge. And, uh, it's not easy. That's the whole idea, right? Yeah. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. It, it, and I love that he brings out that point that's so important. It doesn't matter how good you are. If you have no supernatural goodness rephrased, it doesn't matter how many good works you do if you don't have sanctifying grace, yeah. if, you know, if you're cut off from sanctifying grace, you're not going to heaven. I mean, that's, that's the reality of it. And there's no amount of good morning or holding the door open for someone, or let me, let me buy that cup of coffee for you, you know, pay it forward, mm-hmm. which I, I think is a great thing, but that doesn't merit eternal life. Only God can give that gift and only God can give sanctifying grace. And it's about relationship with him first and it's also that reminder for me that if we have that right, then everything else should really fall into place. Because if we love our Lord, we're going to love our Lord in our neighbor. Well, and, and two, it also puts into perspective the whole, you know, the, the church obviously as an entity does a lot of good works. We try, you know, as individuals to do good works. Uh, it, it really does put that in perspective that if we're just doing good things on a natural level, we as members of the church and the church as an entity is nothing more than just a you know, an NGO, right? Yeah. A nonprofit and, and just a charitable entity. Uh, but if we have that supernatural goodness and we as, a, as individuals and as a church understand that it comes, you know, our, our charity is directed towards something greater, that it comes from, you know, that, that supernatural grace. Well, now we are a church, right? Yeah. Not just an entity, not just somebody that feeds the poor. We're doing it in God's name. Indeed. Well, a couple things here before we go to the break. Number one, uh, I want to ask the question, what does this look like practically to love your neighbor? Because it doesn't mean you have to party with people that aggravate uh, aggravate you all mm-hmm. the time. But you do. there are ways 
to love them. And number two, um, something I heard recently about the writings of St. Vincent de Paul. And I mean, you talk about loving your neighbor and you think of the works of charity done by the many great Vincentians and uh, conferences of St. Vincent de Paul, that even St. Vincent de Paul in his writings said something to the effect of, you know, we do this not for the sake of the poor, but for the sanctification of our members who meet Christ in the poor. And it, it took me a while to process that because anybody can serve the poor. You know, an atheist can serve the poor. An agnostic can serve the poor. Someone who's not a Christian can serve the poor. But why do we do it? Because it sanctifies us to encounter Christ within them. And it goes back to Matthew 25, when you didn't do this for the least among you, you didn't do this for me. And that's what love of neighbor sometimes is all about. But practically speaking, I think it is this. You know, for me, it's my older brother. He and I politically, religiously, philosophically disagree about just almost anything in life. The one thing we agree on is Cardinals baseball. And even in that, we have debates about what players should be on the field at at what times. (laughs) And yet when he comes to town to visit, it is about saying, look, as much as I annoy him, he annoys me, put all of that aside and be present and talk about his kids and and talk about our kids and ask how life is and do and, and be respectful because he's my brother and as much as we disagree, it's not like he's wronged me in a way that I need to cut him off from my life and remove myself. He just annoys me, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be family, right? It's it's maybe sometimes easier to with family say, you know what, I, I may not you you annoy me, but I love you. That's kind of easy-ish with family. Yeah. But when it comes to coworkers, friends, those acquaintances you have, somebody who annoys you, it's very easy to just say, you know what? I'm just not going to engage with that person. I'm just going to avoid them. But when that person does something at work that annoys you or whatever, that's the opportunity to really step out of your th- this sort of rut, right? And just and really engage, to be present, right? Think of how often, you know, and obviously COVID has changed things and not everybody works in an office anymore, but you know, if, if you're working in an office and, and you got your door open or something or at your desk and somebody comes by to talk and you might think, oh my gosh, I've got 10 emails I got to respond to. I've got to do this, this, and this. I got this report to finish. And this person just wants to come and, and yabber on about, you know, whatever. It's like, be present, right? Give that person the dignity of your time. You know, and it doesn't mean you have to let them talk for 30 minutes and, you know, you can put limits on it, but be present enough to just say, yeah, look, you are worthy of that dignity. I'm not just going to ignore you. Yeah. And, and any other, I mean, there's other examples, right? Somebody annoys you at work. Don't go talking about it behind their back to somebody else. Right. Yeah. That, that detracts from, from their dignity. It, it, it's a, you know, that, that can be calumnious, right? Am I going to say that word? Yeah. Right? Calumnious. Um, you got it. So, um, you know, that radical charity, right, does start with um, an understanding of my, you know, your be humble. Right? Yeah. Well, we're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven this morning. When we come back, Father Brian Fallon's going to be with us to wrap up our vocations uh, segments this week, talking about ongoing renewal of vocations. You're listening to Covenant Network. Stay tuned. A prayer for priests. Oh, my God, help those priests who are faithful to remain faithful. To those who are falling, stretch forth your divine hand, that they may grasp it as their support. In the great ocean of your mercy, lift those poor unfortunate ones who have fallen, that being engulfed therein, they may receive the grace to return 
to your great loving heart. Amen. Precious blood of Jesus, protect them. It's my pleasure to welcome to the studio Father Brian Fallon, the Director of the Office of Vocations in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And Father, it's good to have you with us as we've had uh, several of your fellow vocation directors from around the region on by phone. It's nice to have you in studio. Nice to be with you, Adam. Hi, everyone. We have been talking all week about vocations and not limiting it to just priestly vocations, although that's very important and we continue to pray for young men to hear God's call and to generously say yes to God's call. We've talked about that call. We've talked about discerning what God is calling us to. We've talked about the formation that prepares us before we make that act of commitment. And I think, you know, you probably remember with with great uh, fervor, your ordination day. I can <laughs> tell you all about our wedding day. I would imagine consecrated religious can tell you all about their day of profession. And you know, there's a tendency to think, all right, that's the day we've got to get to. And once we're there, it's smooth sailing. That's it. We've done our formation. We don't have to go anywhere else. But really, I imagine there is a daily call to recommit ourselves to that vocation. There sure is. When I had my nose hit the marble and was ordained, I thought, wow, I've made it. I've got my degrees. I've been ordained. I've graduated seminary, but that's actually just the beginning. Like any married couple or any religious would tell you, it's the whole renewal of that vow that you have from uh, that great day of uh, giving yourself to the Lord. Now, that's a good word, renewal, because I think, you know, just recently in the month of October, we had the wedding anniversary mass at the Cathedral Basilica for couples celebrating those milestone anniversaries. And I've been to masses where, you know, maybe it is the 40th or 50th wedding anniversary and they renew their vows. And there's something good to be said for that. But that's not, you know, if, if that's what we're thinking of when we think renewal, that's not really what you're talking about here, is it? That, you know, standing up every now and then and saying, I renew the vows we made on that day in that year. Right. No, we're asking the Lord as we renew that vow to come into our lives to seek him for timely help on this day, whatever that calendar day is, going back to that sacramental life that we receive from God, the graces we receive from that vow, and continuing to offer ourselves, recognizing we're not just doing it for ourselves, we're doing these things, we're offering ourselves for the other, for Jesus, for our spouse. Now, if we think of the sacraments, as we do, of conduits of grace, it's not that on my wedding day that Beth and I received, here's an outpouring of grace, use it wisely, it's got to get you through the rest of your lives. That was just the beginning of the day. Uh, same for you on, on your ordination day. What does it look like to tap into God's grace every day? What are those practical things that maybe we should be doing as we get up in the morning or when we go to bed at night to renew that commitment? You know, me to my bride, you to the church. What right. does that look like? Yeah, we can't be foolish. We have to trim the lamps every day. So otherwise, they're going to go out. So what does that mean? It can mean different things for different people. I know for me, it's I have to spend time before the Blessed Sacrament uh, soaking in the rays of the S-O-N and just allowing him to love me where I'm at, to bring my challenges, what I'm facing this day to him and to help to be able to properly discern and to prudently act out what he wants for me. I think that's something that flows through all different vocations, not just uh, priestly or religious life, but allowing the Lord uh, to be the one to provide for us in our difficulties, but then also giving thanks to him for how he's been able to help us through uh, some of the tasks that we've seen in the past couple of days. 
I'm really glad you used that word challenges there because I remember at a certain point in time I thought, you know, the people that are going to struggle in marriage are the ones that don't have that good formation. You know, maybe they're not particularly religious. Maybe, you know, all, all the things that we learn, uh, the rates of divorce among those who aren't religious, that don't pray together, that cohabitate before marriage, that utilize contraception. And I'm thinking, well, I don't check any of those boxes. So we're, we're golden here. Right. We're never going to have any struggles in our marriage. And then the first struggle came and it was that question of, okay, how do I offer this to God? Because, I mean, you've made it clear God wants those struggles. Right. I didn't know how to use the copy machine when I got to the parish. So I was like, oh, I wasn't expecting these types of day-to-day struggles. But then allowing the Lord to use those moments to form us, uh, to be able to say, okay, maybe it's a lot greater than the copy machine, but Lord, you're trying to teach me through these little crosses and through some of these bigger crosses to unite myself completely to you. And then to recognize, it's what St. Paul says to the Galatians, it's not I who live, but Christ who lives through me. Christ wants you to be married to this person, wants you to profess these vows, wants you to be this priest. And so in that way, living as Jesus for the world, we recognize that we don't have to do it by ourselves and that he wants to be with us in those struggles, in those challenges. Well, I think it's a beautiful thing for us to remember. I'm, th- that was one great preparation nugget we got was, remember, the, the wedding day, that's party day, but the marriage is a lifetime. Right. And, you know, ordination day, you, you received an indelible mark on your soul, but priesthood is now the rest of your life. Is there any assistance we get, you know, not from dwelling in the past, but going back and visiting those times when it does get tough to say, I'm going to go back and look at those wedding pictures and recall the prayers we prayed that day or go back to your ordination rite and maybe recall the words of the homily of uh, Archbishop Carlson when he ordained you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think going back to those moments uh, is a good thing. We call that like kind of repetition in prayer. What was it that struck you about your wedding day? Or for me, it was the embrace of all the different brothers uh, and Archbishop Carlson as we went through the line after ordination and them saying, welcome to the brotherhood. And just kind of remembering that great sense of care that they have for their younger brothers and how Archbishop as a father, and now Archbishop Brzezanski providing for us. In those ways, I think going back to that gives you a sense of, all right, I can do Monday morning, or I can do what the other challenges are that face me this week, because I'm doing it with the Lord, and he's provided so many other types of blessings. He's not going to leave me hanging for the other times where it might seem like things are tough or dry. You're not the first priest to need a continuing ed seminar on the copy machine, (laughs) especially the the older they are. You know, you'd think they're simpler, but that's actually where they get really complex. Yes, yes. It's not taking it out on the copy machine that has been the place of uh, encounter of the Lord's patience. Yes. All right. Before we wrap up with a prayer, I wanted to give you an opportunity to share some of the vocation resources uh, you've got out there in the Archdiocese of St. Louis. We've been talking about some of the, the various websites and whatnot in our listening area. So where can our St. Louis air listeners go? stlvocations.org is a big landing page for all the different things that are going on. Really what we try to do in St. Louis is help young people figure out who God is calling them to be. So I want to have conversations with people that are just open to being good disciples. What does it look like to follow Jesus with your whole mind and heart? And then to allow him to provide the clarity and to what way he's asking us to give of ourselves. So that doesn't necessarily mean priesthood or religious life. So we do have retreat opportunities and formation groups. Uh, Sister Carolyn from the Franciscan Sisters of the Martyr St. George is leading our women through what's called Love's Reply, which is a formation and discernment group. 
And then I lead uh, once a month with some young discerners, just a formation group at the seminary to be able to help them. Uh, so if anyone has interest in that, yeah, they can reach out to me at stlvocations.org. And I'll never forget something you said to us at one of our uh, Sarah Club gatherings that it's uh, our responsibility. If we see someone in the parish, a young man that we think, oh, he might have what it takes and God may be calling him, not to say you should go be a priest, but to say, have you ever thought Right. about the priesthood to maybe ask that introductory question. Right. Don't spook them if they're praying in the church, you know, <laughs> let, let them get through their prayers, but just an invitation. They're probably open to the fact because they're good disciples, but what is the Lord asking them? And just to say that you're praying for them and that you care for them. That's a big step. Wonderful. Well, let's end with a prayer for vocations. If I could ask you to lead. Sure. In the father and of the son and of the Holy spirit. Amen. Amen. Lord God, we ask you to continue to pour out your love upon us and in a special way to fan into flame with your spirit the hearts of all who hope in you. We ask that you might provide for our church many men and women for the harvest in the various ways to which you call them. Help them to cast out fear. Help them not to be concerned with what it looks like or understanding it to completion, but to just to be with you now, Lord, so that you might be able to help them to be able to foster great love for all of your children. We ask of these things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. We want to thank Father Brian Fallon for being with us today. We're going to take a break here on Roadmap to Heaven. There's going to be some more Roadmap Roundup on this Friday morning after this. A prayer to St. Joseph. O blessed Joseph, faithful guardian of my Redeemer, Jesus Christ, protector of thy chaste spouse, the Virgin Mother of God. I choose thee this day to be my special patron and advocate, and I firmly resolve to honor thee all the days of my life. Therefore, I humbly beseech thee to receive me as thy client, to instruct me in every doubt, to comfort me in every affliction, to obtain for me and for all the knowledge and love of the heart of Jesus, and finally, to defend and protect me at the hour of my death. Amen. Here is a catechiz question for you on this Friday morning. What are the four marks of the Catholic Church? And we're not talking about Mark Jones and Mark Smith and Mark Lewis and, you know, no. what are the four marks of the Catholic Church? Gabe Jones, do you know the four marks of the I Catholic do. Church? I do. Should I let our listeners try to guess before I answer? We'll give them five more five seconds. Five more seconds. Do you One. know them? Do you know? Do you actually call it? No. no, no, no. <laughs> All right, Gabe Jones, what are the four marks of the Catholic Church? One, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. That's correct. And, and number one is one. We are one, yes, one is church. One. We are a holy church. We are a Catholic church. Yes. We are an apostolic church. United. Uh, meaning that our church, you know, we have the line of succession, the continuity, all the way back to Peter and St. Peter and the first apostles, that mm -hmm. it's an unbroken line. We are Catholic. We are but universal. Adam, we're all very different. Yes, Some we are. Some places even do Mass a little differently. Yeah, there are 24 different Catholic churches, the sui juris churches, but we all believe the same things. How we express that belief liturgically varies from church to church, but we all believe the same things. And, and that's the universalism universalism of Catholicism. That Which is the Catholicity. You know, as, as oh. the apostles went out to the world, how belief was expressed liturgically, at its core, it's all the same. Mm -hmm. There are minor variations. Uh, you know, from the Byzantine to the uh, to the Roman rite, and I'm I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. Maronite, Maronite, that right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then holy, we we all the the church is holy because yes. God, it's God's church. But the important thing is we are one. We're not 
a bunch of churches kind of banding together in a partnership, like, oh, it makes sense for us to partner up on this. Right. Um, we're one church, and it's a beautiful thing. And that's another thing when we think of loving our neighbor, Gabe, that I come back to is, well, but they're, you know, I, I they're a little different than I am. Yeah, well, sometimes your neighbor is going to be a little different than you are, but they're still your neighbor, and you still love them because you're part of God's family. Yeah. And especially within the church, it's like, well, they're, you know, they, that, that parish, they're a little different than us. Well, yeah, but they're still a Catholic parish. They're and, your brother. We're all, and, we're all the body of Christ, right? Yeah. And the body can't be at war against itself. All right. We have time for one more topic here on the, the roundup today. And Gabe, it's one that's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's about parenting. And you and I love to talk about parenting. Uh, how many of you out there on Halloween evening had to say to your kids, no, you cannot eat 35 pieces of candy before <laughs> bedtime tonight. You have to, you can have one. And then you're going to bed because you have school tomorrow. We were in that boat. Our kids had school. We on, let them have a little more than Tuesday. one. We, we but... let them have three, right? <laughs> yeah. um, but we had to say no. And my youngest, why do they eat trick-or-treating? That's like, you have school tomorrow. You have to go to bed. Sometimes being a good parent means we have to say no. Mm-hmm. And you have to like it. As a parent, <laughs> that sounds counterintuitive. It doesn't mean you have to like relish in making your kids angry or sad or feel bad or anything. No, but you have to like saying no because it's going to happen a lot. And you have to be willing to do it in those tough dis- situations, right? Where it doesn't feel good, where you're going to create some tears. Uh, I, I jokingly, I think maybe I told you, Adam, like the, the telos, right? Like if you get to Aristotelian philosophy and you get to like the essence of things, what is a thing? What is a chair? What is it for, right? What are these things here to do? I, I said the telos of a of a dad is to say no. It's just to say, can 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 my kids do this? No, can, like that's the default reaction all the time. <laughs> the default. And, you're, you're but using, you know what? Thing, then there's exceptions, right? But the default reaction should be no. <laughs> you're using Greek and Latin words. Seven forty-five a.m. Central Daylight Time here, Gabe. I got that right, by the way. Um, yes, it is daylight time for a couple more days. But but I do embrace that, that that a large part of that is no. And how often does God the Father model that for us? You know, can I go off and and run around with every woman I meet in life? No. No, it's right. uh, adultery is against the Ten Commandments, and there's a reason for that. Yeah, um, and and it's out of love. It's I, I always use that that analogy. If my kids come into the kitchen while I've got the oven open and it's you know 450 degrees, and my toddler's trying to dance around, and I'm like, you have to get out of the kitchen. No, you can't. But I want to be by you. I know you do, but no, because the oven is open and it's hot. And if you slip and fall, as you are prone to do. You're going to be in a world of hurt to the point that we're going to have to go to the hospital. It could get really bad. It's not that I hate you. It's that I love you. No. Right. And I think a lot of times as parents, we feel like we have to either entertain our kids or make them feel good all the time or these kinds of things. And you know what? Like that's not healthy for them. It's not healthy for us. It's not going to be good for the family. And when they grow up and then they have any number of temptations or just questions or things in front of them, well, rather than being comfortable with not getting what they want, now they're going to be, you know, yeah. they're going to throw a fit. You know, they, let's, they let's go behind the scenes here for a moment, because if you're like me and you, you say no to your kids, especially the dads out there listening, uh, and sometimes for the moms, I know it's even hard for you as well. It, it is for my wife. Um, sometimes after I say no, I feel really bad about saying no. And I think there is a little bit about that. You, you you don't necessarily want to say no to your kids and all things. You know, dad, can I go out with my friends? They're going to do this. And it's like, no, you, you can't do that. And I want my kid to be able to go out with his friends. 
What do you do afterwards, you know, behind closed doors? So, you know, what do you say to your spouse? What is it in prayer? What is it, you know, maybe calling your dad and saying, Dad, how'd you do this that helps sustain you in those times where it's difficult to say no? Well, everything, and this sounds maybe cliche, especially for your show, but prayer. You have to start with prayer. So that, that's, that's a crucial element of all this. But I think once, once you, you say no, first of all, as, as a parent, you can't do just a knee-jerk reaction, right? Like I, I kind of jokingly say no has to be the default, but every situation is a little different, and you need to also thoughtfully think about can your kid go out on Halloween night with his friends or whatever. Um, so having enough sort of patience, I don't know if that's the right word, but when, when your kid asks you a question, having the patience to be able to maybe stop and think through that thing, yeah, through that request before you just say no, no should be sort of like the, you don't be afraid of that, but you don't have to say no. And then once they reach that age of reason, is there a responsibility then not just to say no, but to say, and here's why. I think so. I think at a certain point, I mean, sometimes though, as a parent, you just tell them no, and that's it. And you don't need to explain yourself. Dr. Ray Garendi says that a lot, right? Don't, you don't, you are the parent. You don't have to explain everything. But yeah, there is a certain point maybe where you say, well, no, I, I, I don't want you to, you know, play with the fire in the fire pit because you might set the grass on fire and then that will be a huge issue, right? Or, hey, son, have you thought of this, right? If you do this, is this going to happen? Maybe we shouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. So you don't have to just come out and say no, but you can lead them to where they realize what the answer is. All right. I'd like to keep talking, but no, we need to stop and get a check of the weather <laughs> Thanks, here Dad. for you and then have the daily dose of encouragement. Then we'll be back to wrap up the roundup with you this morning. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Adam Wright for Covenant Network. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to hit like and subscribe. And while you're at it, share it with your friends. And now back to the Roadmap to Heaven podcast. This entire week on the Daily Dose of Encouragement has been dedicated to preparing to make a good confession. And Patty, I cannot wait to hear the insights you have for us as we wrap up today. So yesterday we talked about being concise and concrete. Today I want to talk about being clear and complete. Here's what Jose Maria Escrivas said. A good confession is one where we make ourselves understood declaring the precise nature of the fault. We can't beat around the bush. That's what I think most of us want to do. He basically said, just come out and say it and don't mumble. You know, sometimes we're, we might be so ashamed or whatever. We don't, we're not clear. We can't even make ourselves understood. We have to make ourselves understood. Be clear. Come right out and say it. And then the final thing he said, complete. A good confession does not leave anything out so as not to appear bad in the confessor's eyes. A lot of times we just don't want to say that last thing, right, because we're afraid what the priest is going to think of us. No. 
He said, again, the focus is on Jesus and his merciful, unconditional love. And you got to bring everything into his light so that he can heal us. Show the doctor everything that is wrong, everything that is broken, everything that is hurting. Otherwise, he can't heal. That's a human thing. But St. Jose Maria Escriva realized it's got to be complete. Don't hold back that one thing that you don't want to tell. So be concise. Yes, you got to be brief about it. Be concrete. Be specific. Be clear. Make yourself understood. But do be complete. I hope these words help you make a good confession. Someone once said that if you really want to knock the devil off his feet, that one thing that you don't want to admit in the confessional, start with that. He won't know what to do because the only one who wants you to make an incomplete confession is the devil. Our Lord wants to offer you his mercy and forgiveness for your contrite and repentant heart because he loves you that much. So, Patty, I love these tips you've brought us, these preparations you brought us this week. Thank you for these daily doses of encouragement. I keep coming back to something Patty said yesterday in the Daily Dose of Encouragement and that a good confession is brief. You get right to the point. These are my sins, not these are my sins. And I think I committed that one because, you know, the circumstances in life were such to maybe explain it away or or no. Dave Jones, no. Right, <laughs> no. Get, get, get right to what it. Happened? Lord, Lord, here's where I failed. Yep. The end. Please forgive me. And if you're contrite, the answer is yes, I will forgive you uh, in the sacrament. It's and so You know beautiful. what, Adam, though? Sometimes you are unsure, and so it's okay to be unsure in confession. Yeah. Be, the, be concise about that. Don't, the, right? Just say, Father, this happened. I'm not sure if this is a sin, but here it is. Yeah, which is different than, Father, this happened, but you have to take into account the situation here, Father, in the circumstances. I used to do that all the time because I felt guilty. Why? Because sin is bad. It, you, we, it goes back to Adam in the garden, the, the original Adam, not this one, um, feeling shame for sin. Why, why are you hiding? Because I was naked and afraid, right? Mm-hmm. And leave the shame behind. Don't, don't try to explain it away. The, God is pouring out mercy in that sacrament so beautifully to those who are humble and contrite. And I love uh, what I read yesterday about a priest saying that it's a two-way street, that God pours it out, but we have to accept it. We have to admit that we're sinners. And it's such a unique thing that in that sacrament, we are both the accused and the prosecutor. Yeah. Read the crimes. These are Adam's crimes. These, you know, oh, and Adam, how do you plead? I plead guilty. Yeah. The end. Supernaturally good, right? Yeah. That's kind of what that requires. And, and, and then go good. out and do naturally good things. Yeah. You know? And I have to I have to love how the supernatural grace helps us to do then the naturally good things. Yeah. I find I hold doors open more, I do the dishes more for my wife and whatnot when I've make when I make a good regular confession. Yeah. And you sort of search for those opportunities more, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah. You kind of search for an opportunity where you can show love. Have you ever asked for a specific penance? Like, you know, you know at home, this is where uh, <laughs> I'm falling apart. And I, I did that one time. I'm like, Father, I have, you know, lost my temper with my wife and just get been annoyed with her. Not really lost my temper, but I've, I've been annoyed and I've just been snippy and uncharitable. And so I've been neglecting home duties because I'm, I'm upset with her. And he said, oh, yeah, when, well, you know, absolution. I said, for my penance, could I have something that I have to do around the house? You know, whether yeah. that's every that she doesn't do dishes for a week because I'm going to do them every day. And he's like, yeah, you can do that. That's your penance. There you go. I, I didn't. I, there's one instance I can recall. I don't think I requested it, 
But it's funny because I went to confession and I sort of prayed, like, I hope I get a, a really good, you know, penance this time. And not that uh, Our Father, Hail Mary, and Glory Be, or whatever isn't good, but, and, and I got a good one. And I went to confession to the same priest, like, shortly thereafter, and, and said, thanks for the last one, because that was really great. That was like, kind of what I needed. So, <laughs> yeah. and, and being a good priest, he's like, I don't even remember yeah. that you were here the last <laughs> time because you know, I'm in Persona Christi. Exactly. All right, let's pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of all saints. Pray for us. St. Joseph, Terror of Demons. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We've got some great stuff in store for you next week. We're going to be uh, continuing to talk with some of our friends at Focus, getting ready for the SEEK conference. Uh, we're going to be talking about marriage next week. We're going to be talking about uh, hunting next week and our role in the stewardship of creation. So many great things up for you on Roadmap to Heaven. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. I'm Gabe Jones. Pray your rosary today.